with Air Cargo World. My name is Kathy Morrow Robertson, and I write a weekly column for Air Cargo World, focusing on the express market, freight forwarding, logistics, as well as parcel. So with me today, we have Nate Skyver, founder of LPF Spin Management. Nate, welcome. Thanks, Kathy. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to uh, chat with you today. Oh, well, thank you very much. Can you give us a quick background on yourself, please? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, my company is LPF Spin Management, and uh, the focus of LPF is to work with e-commerce and parcel shippers to help them negotiate better contracts and source the right carriers and services, which align to their e-commerce shipping strategy. Uh, I've been uh, consulting with shippers uh, with LPF for about two years. Prior to that, I was uh, in retail for about 17 years, uh, 11 with Abercrombie and Fitch, also worked for Gap Inc. And that was largely focused on parcel transportation and also e-commerce. Okay. So with that expertise, uh, we're going to talk about the holiday season and the holiday season is coming up. In fact, um, I believe our friends, uh, UPS, FedEx and others are implementing peak holiday surcharges beginning the week of what is it? October 3rd and 4th. Yes. So, so yay. W- within a week, right? How about that? So, <laughs> but I mean, these are peak season surcharges. I mean, how different are these compared to what we've been living through for the past year? Well, it's interesting because you said peak holiday surcharges. And ironically, you actually have to make that distinction because peak surcharges, I'm doing air quotes, peak surcharges have been in place since June of last year. And, <laughs> and so since then, there's been several iterations from not just FedEx and UPS, but those are the, the major players, obviously, uh, around, a lot of it's around residential delivery, uh, oversized, you know, big and bulky shipments. And so that started June of last year and hasn't stopped. Uh, but to answer your question, the, the actual holiday ones, so the ones that you start, say, around, well, I guess the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, you know, they, they are a uh, higher amount generally speaking, than the ones who, which have, with, which have been ongoing. Uh, also, the, the, there's volume criteria around, uh, say, the, the residential surcharges that really are targeted toward larger shippers. And, and so both carriers, they did this last peak, or actually for a couple of years, but certainly last peak to where they're really having the large shippers bear a fair amount, not all, of the brunt of this expense. Uh, and it certainly is a challenge, I think, for all shippers to to deal with, but particularly the large ones are are the ones that have to, I think, bear the expense to to an extent and deal with the kind of complicated uh, requirements and and criteria around it too. Okay, so stupid question time here. So why do we even have these uh, peak surcharges? Well, according to UPS and FedEx. <laughs> Uh, it is because there is a really, really uh, large imbalance of supply and demand related to capacity. Um, some of that also, there's kind of a, a commentary and narrative from both of them that have pointed to increased operating costs. And, and so 
those surcharges are in place to an extent, I'll say to offset those costs. But as we've seen for the past 18 months, both carriers have also profited quite a bit, not just from the surcharges, uh, but in their pricing actions. So this helps to, um, I think, in my opinion, more than offset their costs. But to answer your question, that's why it's there. But others have implemented peak surcharges as well, haven't they? Including, if I'm not mistaken, the post office for the first time last year. Yes, yes, the, the Postal Service did um, last year in, in October, and it was effective basically through almost the end of the calendar year. And they have done the same again this year, that the timing is a little bit different. I believe it starts just a, a bit earlier in October, uh, does go through the end, uh, almost the end of December. Uh, they did actually increase um, the rates a little bit for first class package, which is the one that, you know, the lighter weight packages. Uh, priority mail, they actually did increase quite a bit uh, and and added some criteria for longer distance, higher zone packages receive a higher surcharge. And so the, the Postal Service certainly is, is one of those carriers, uh, again, that's trying to offset some of the increased expenses. Uh, there are many others as well. Uh, some of the, the postal workshare carriers like Pitney Bowes, uh, DHL e-commerce, and some of the regional carriers as well. Uh, those are the ones at least who have published peak surcharges. Okay. So I've been reading a lot lately about um, inventory not on the shelf, retailers not getting the inventory they need. In your opinion, are the carriers prepared for this holiday season? Well, it's going to be interesting. I think, I guess this is a really general statement, but carriers and shippers regarding just total capacity and the planning for it for higher volume than say uh, higher peak volume than, than non-peak, I think both groups are better prepared for that part of it. The issue though is what you mentioned of potential inventory shortages. Mm-hmm. So if there's inventory shortages and retailers don't have the volume to ship or they don't have as much as they thought, they don't have it when they thought they were gonna ship it. So that actually, I think, might end up with more volatile service from a, a parcel standpoint, maybe than we even saw last peak. Uh, because granted, there is a, depending on who you ask, a, a, a capacity shortfall of, according to UPS, up to 5 million packages a day, potentially in the fourth quarter. Um, even if that number isn't quite as high, I think some of that volume can be condensed or squeezed into to smaller windows uh, that it's just based on inventory availability and, and consumer demand. And so depending on when that hits, then carriers might have trouble reacting. Um, I think the opposite might actually happen, which will be interesting because I've got a little bit of experience being with a large shipper in the past to where you, you provide a forecast, mm-hmm. right? It's a very close, kind of cl- supposed to be collaborative. I think it's, we'll say there are spirited discussions between shippers and, and carriers about planning for peak season, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the part of that is not just the, the limitations of how much volume, but then there's an expectation for these shippers, retail shippers to meet the forecast they're saying they're going to. And so if that volume at times doesn't materialize from the shipper side, 
that causes a little bit of heartburn from UPS and, and FedEx perspective. So that part of it, obviously, I don't think will be public, uh, yeah. like some of the, the service issues or the, the volume caps, but it's definitely part of the process. So this forecasting, how can you forecast in an environment such as we're in now? Well, if I knew that, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be talking right now. Uh, I, I don't I've know. I've been wondering honestly. that because last year there was a lot of issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's like, how could you forecast in a year like last year? And this year's looking really, not really different. Right. I mean, I think it's, and I'll say I haven't had as many conversations um, really recently with some of my uh, retail contacts, yeah, but it, it it definitely, in my opinion, will be more difficult to forecast. And it's already, yeah. I mean, anytime you're forecasting in a period of kind of ho- you know, holiday demand, which is volatile and it's higher than normal, that's already challenging. But you add all the other issues that, well, we've only talked about two or three probably of them, uh, yeah. then it's, it's incredibly difficult. And so that's where I think, um, to your point, that the forecasting piece, retailers, and I'll, I'll say apparel is, is my background. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say uh, all retailers forecast the way that apparel retailers do, but apparel retailers have some challenges with, with forecasting, generally speaking. And in an environment like this, it's even more difficult. And so yeah. I think both parties, uh, that's where I, I think because of the fact that the forecasting is going to be that more, much more challenging is that this constant like management reforecasting of a volume process is going to result in some pretty severe service issues in parcel networks. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There, there's going to be some issues. And, you know, we, we touched on capacity. And I believe um, UPS has become much more selective over the past year or so of, who they want to share capacity with, whereas, and I believe FedEx, it's similar in in a way. Yeah, they've they've both taken steps to somewhat protect their network. Yeah. But in my opinion, and this is, you know, based on public information, but also just, you know, some industry knowledge is that, UPS has been more disciplined with that process, mm-hmm. whether it's been and on, the, on the FedEx side, whether it's been intentionally not as disciplined, it's that's debatable um, because they've come out FedEx you know, before the earnings call last week uh, and stated you know, that they were pursuing, you know, e-commerce growth, you know, volume. And, and that was actually contributing to some of their, their service challenges, they being FedEx. Um, so I think the approach, um, the execution of the approach and implementation of it maybe has been a bit different, uh, but they've both attempted to you know, be selective about the volume, uh, whether it's based on margin, you know, package profile. Uh, but overall, I do think UPS has been, whether they've been more effective, uh, that's debatable, but definitely more disciplined. So, um, and we've, I, I've, I've seen a number of uh, these regional parcel carriers come out and say uh, we have no more capacity 
for the fourth quarter, while UPS and to a lesser extent FedEx is getting a little cheesier with their capacity. What other options are out there for for retailers that they find themselves on October 20th with, oh my gosh, I need more capacity? Well, there there aren't <laughs> a lot of, of options or recommended options in the fourth quarter as far as adding carriers, you know, yeah. new carriers to, to the network. And that's not necessarily uh, because of the carriers available. I'm not, you know, uh, saying that there aren't quality carriers available. It's just the fact that the timing is, is so challenging. Now, right. one of them is the postal service, which we talked about a little earlier about the rate increase. Now, capacity also is was a challenge for them last peak season. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, they ended up being kind of like the, the release valve of of a lot of, of uh, shippers who had limitations from FedEx, UPS, and others. And just the, the Postal Service had volume dumped on them, essentially. And it was, the service delays were pretty bad. But um, they've been implementing since really the first quarter or maybe the second quarter network enhancements to increase package uh, sortation capacity in the network. Uh, some dedicated facilities to package uh, sortation. And so from the Postal Service side, they appear to be in better shape, far better shape than they were this time last year going to peak. Um, Fingers crossed. Right, exactly. Now, <laughs> one of the things that is a challenge for them and all carriers and actually all shippers right now is labor. Yes. Uh, every time you you pull up any industry news, it's usually either there are, is a labor shortage or it's a list of, of large companies stating the tens of thousands of people they're hiring for peak. Exactly. So yeah. Service is one of them. And they have, you know, apparently a plan around that. And the number off the top of my head escapes me. I want to say it was between 30 and 40,000, maybe. I, um, I think you're right. Um, but they also uh, just recently in an, discussion a call that I was was on with them stated they're in a better position now than they were during peak season last year so there's they're starting from a better spot okay well and then meanwhile back to FedEx who announced their earnings what last week and we found out that they're having a little bit of a labor issue correct they are um (laughs) I think uh, I mean uh, it wasn't a, a huge surprise probably to many that there is an issue. I mean, they had actually communicated a little bit of that in the prior quarter, but mm-hmm. quantifying it, which they did in their press release and on the earnings call to start, right, was... What was it? Something like $450 million in expenses? Exactly. It was $450 million, um, some of which was... I mean, they outlined it actually in really granular detail. They split it yeah. out between... Mm-hmm. The just wage increase, which mm-hmm. I think is, is pretty understandable. Yeah. Now, I don't recall the splits. So I'm not going to speak to it, but it was somewhere around half. I mean, I think it might have been a little bit more than that. Uh, and then an inefficiency of mm-hmm. a lack of labor and understaffing and increased expense there. And so that was the balance, I think. And 
where they went to great lengths to outline some examples and quantify the issues, um, diverting volume daily, right? Exactly. That was really interesting. 600,000 packages a day is being diverted. And I think they... um, they used as an example their Portland hub, mm-hmm. which was has been operating at sixty five percent. That's what they stated in that, and, and that kind of explains over the past year or so why we've seen sporadic delays. Yes, it's it's interesting because there's been periodic you know, reports from third parties, uh, a couple of them. Uh, who report on on carrier on time percentage? You know, I would say pretty frequently. Yeah, uh, Ship Matrix is one. Convey is another, and they've both consistently reported a pretty large discrepancy between on time percentage between UPS and FedEx, with FedEx trailing in most every report. And so, because of that, then the the labor issues or the network issues can't can't be new. Yeah, uh, but it was pretty shocking i think as to just how how much of an impact it had and then of course we're almost in october so i can't imagine it's going to improve in the calendar fourth quarter now i unfortunately i have to agree with you uh i believe in their prior earnings call i think their fourth their fiscal year fourth quarter they had made mention, you know, like they alluded to the um, labor issue, like you said, but they said that they plan to have it resolved by October. Mm-hmm. And here we are a few days before October 1st. And um, yeah, it was, I, I was, I was surprised at the extent of it. Yes. Um, but our friends at UPS, meanwhile, have come out and said, "Well, don't worry about it. We're cu- we're we're going to be fine." <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> it was late last week. I don't know if it was Thursday or Friday. I, I think, and uh, all I I didn't see the actual interview from Carol King. Yeah. I did see just a uh, kind of a quote or an excerpt from. Uh, from it in a uh, Seeking Alpha article that basically just mm-hmm. you know, Carol Tomei's statement was that a UPS would be. I don't know the exact words, adequately staffed, basically. Yeah. They weren't going to have the same or or um, staffing issues that that you know FedEx announced. She didn't use, of course, FedEx's name, but no, of course not. we we know who who she was responding to. So Yeah, well we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. And then yes. our friends at Amazon is also, I mean, they've been on a hiring spree. Mm-hmm. They've always been on a hiring spree. <laughs> And I mean, you know, all three of them have been doing signing bonuses. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Amazon's offering tuition pay, tuition payment uh, mm-hmm. for their frontline workers and so on. And and also, I believe they've um, announced there's a charge for their um, whole food delivery service through Amazon Prime now nine ninety five. Yes. Even for Amazon Prime members, which yep. which kind of sh- tells me or shows me that there's some there's some definite issues going on. Um worker shortages for sure. So I I know I don't I don't want to put you on the spot here, but um but you're going to. 
Yeah, I am. I am going to do that. <laughs> so, and then we're going to end up having another call probably in January. So, in your opinion, who's going to be the winner in this holiday season? All right, we're talking carriers, I suppose. Yeah, right? why carriers. not? Why well, not? <laughs> it, you know, it, it's interesting. I guess it depends on defining a, a winner and, and what source you use because <laughs> um, it, it, I used to, so we'll, I'll, I'll give you an answer, but let me just make you know a couple of, of comments about how this usually goes during the holiday season is uh, there are always reports of pretty much every carrier having issues and it just depends mm -hmm. on the source and how much attention it gets. So Last year it was, I think, I don't know if it was Wall Street Journal, but very credible source published something about UPS's very large retail customers suddenly, in air quotes, being cut off. Um, and uh, apparently that may have been overstated, but there are always reports of, of carriers having issues. And I think um, sometimes they're maybe a little bit sensationalized. Other times they're, they're pretty spot on. So saying all that, don't believe everything you hear. Um, there's going to be a lot of bad press, mm -hmm. but as far as actual results, and if somehow you can quantify, if we're going to go maybe, I don't know if we're talking uh, you know, quarterly earnings, that's, that's a bit difficult for me to maybe uh, speculate on, but I think uh, UPS is in a far better position right now than FedEx. I'll just say that. Um, at least they, they're stating they are. So uh, yeah. Yeah, you know we'll what? preview uh, at the end of October. When yeah, yes. I think so. I think so. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll take the underdog here. I think that okay. it may surprise everyone. Well, I, I hope you're right. I because that so. means then, assuming UPS still does okay, mm -hmm. that generally speaking, the parcel market and shippers and customers are, are maybe going to get a better experience than what it looks like right now. So. Let's hope so. Let's I hope, hope you're right. I hope so too. So, okay, holiday season's done, and we're now January 3rd, mm -hmm. 2022. Now, FedEx announced their average, average annual rate increase for 2022. How does that differ from last year? What can yeah. shippers expect for 2022? Let's just... Sure. Um, so you're right. FedEx has announced theirs. UPS hasn't yet, um, mm -hmm. but FedEx's average, I'm going to do air quotes because it, it really <laughs> exactly. averaged 5.9%, right? And in several years or for several years before this year, the average has been 4.9%. But and is that really the, the real rate increase? No, uh, it, it's not. And it, it highly depends on the services that a shipper uses, their package profile, you know, the weights and, and the distance and zone. And so uh, like, I would say recent rate increases, uh, lightweight packages, generally speaking, are incurring a higher rate increase than some of the larger packages or um, also further zone in some cases. And a good example of that is uh, UPS, UPS in, I believe, April of this year um, had made a change on their surcharges related to additional handling. And uh, they made those surcharges uh, zone-based, whereas mm -hmm. it used to be a flat rate by 
the additional handling surcharge type. Unfortunately, there are several of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what is additional handling? Well, there are different categories. Uh, it's the high level is it's a surcharge that is assessed because of some package characteristic or that either carrier, FedEx or UPS, deems an increased cost for them mm -hmm. to, to handle and move through their network. Okay. So a package might have large, uh, larger or longer dimensions mm -hmm. uh, according to a criteria uh, over a certain amount of weight uh, or the packaging type. And when we get into details of, of what they have criteria for, but it all will result in some type of additional handling surcharge. Oh, okay. Um, yes, I, I forgot. I, I forgot that they had um, changed that. They to, did. Um, and okay. so FedEx waited about 10 months, I guess, but effective in January, uh, about the third week of January, uh, FedEx's change for those surcharges is very similar. And so those will also be uh, zone-based. Uh, so that's one of the changes. Um, the other one is FedEx thus far uh, peak surcharges. They've announced that uh, I know the FedEx ground economy, I think the residential, they have an indefinite. It's It resumes in January of 22, and there's no end date to it. Um, UPS hasn't done that yet, but they will. Um, uh, so that's definitely you know, some of the changes, I think, for the, the FedEx rate increase. There are a lot more, um, but those are just high level. Some of the, the gotcha. So what would be your top three tips for shippers looking to um, reduce their shipping cost in 2022? Well, the first one, and this might be a count for all three, honestly, but the first one is is really to explore alternative carriers and that mm -hmm. takes on a, a, uh, a different meaning for, for different shippers. So if there might be a, a large enterprise retailer who already has six, seven carriers in place, uh, but still UPS or FedEx usually has the majority of volume. Majority could be 50 or 60%, could be 80 or 90. But uh, I think one of the, the first things that shippers should do is to evaluate you know, their expense, their uh, their service and transit goals and metrics and determine where and how could they add carriers to help you know, reduce some expense, but also just mitigate some of this risk we've been talking about around capacity and, um, and service. And so I think that's really the, the biggest thing that, that, or the first thing I recommend. Um, you know, another one, of, of course, depending on the situation is, uh, shippers can you know, renegotiate their contracts or um, or have an, an open bid RFP. Now, that is not a, a recommendation across the board to go do that. There's a lot that goes into it, um, particularly, uh, you know, some shippers have pretty well negotiated contracts and, and the pricing environment isn't necessarily uh, favorable to, to take the UPS and FedEx and, and negotiate, but there are certain situations where that makes sense. Uh, particularly maybe some uh, small to medium sized companies still have an opportunity to, to negotiate or at least bid their business and potentially reduce expense. Um, 
um, let's see, that's two, right? Yeah. So the <laughs> third one, I guess, would be, and this, again, it's somewhat situational, but is kind of goes along with the first one of, of carrier diversification, basically, but is having or implementing a, a multi-carrier shipping solution uh, to help optimize those carrier services you have in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of times, especially small, medium-sized companies, that might be kind of a manual process or it's not really optimized with you know, rate shopping capability and things like that. Um, larger shippers might have that in place, but if it's you know, an older application or something that's a bit outdated, that would be something absolutely to, to explore. Um, the challenge is that's a pretty large undertaking. So, so that would almost need to be a, an explore right now to get it budgeted so you can hit the ground running in January, February for the project. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess in summary, we're in for another rocky holiday season, another costly one, Mm -hmm. Uh, no end in sight. It sounds like. I don't think so. All right. Well, our time is running short here. So Nate, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this, this has been great. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have as well. So with that, um, for the listeners, I, I encourage folks to follow Nate um, on LinkedIn because that's how we ended up meeting each other, correct? Kind of through... That is, that is true. Yeah, it's amazing what social media can do. Now, you do a daily rundown of the news, which is great. I, I enjoy it a lot. So, Thank you. I, I appreciate it. So be sure and follow Nate on LinkedIn. And um, any other questions anyone may have on parcels, connect with them on LinkedIn. And, um, and I'm sure he can guide you in the right direction. So with that, uh, thank you again. And I look forward to finding out who's the winner of the holiday season. (laughs) All righty. Take care. Thank you.